almost like the Homer Simpson whoop, 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 when he's like there it spinning is. around it's the like, ground. I'm just going back down. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Kingston will throw out of it. He's got Rex. He's got the touchdown. So we've got to find ways to toughen up and find ways to get better. I'm I'm excited about learning from the adversity. And uh, let's see if we can get this done by next week. Adversity, there is plenty of. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the always formidable Jason Shepard. Joining us now for another loaded edition of Maddich Monday on BYUSN is ESPN's Trevor Maddich, college football insider, analyst, and a guy who's been with us for a long time. Trevor, welcome back to the show. Let's go ahead and start with Kalani Satake's comments about his defense specifically and him saying in a very telling way, it feels like they're not buying in to what we're trying to do. What do you make of those comments as we begin a very, very intriguing conversation here on the show? First of all, I think that Coach Satake is doing what a leader needs to do. He's taking responsibility for things that really aren't his fault. He is out in front being accountable and showing that example for others who need to be a whole lot more accountable than they've been, in my opinion. From a standpoint of those specific comments about the defense. I, I When I heard them, I thought it was that he was talking to his defensive leadership and offensive leadership, that the leaders need to be more proactive, that the leaders need to be stronger. Because I, I, don't, I didn't see on the field that the defense seemed like they didn't care. I thought that the defense just was running out of people from a standpoint of injuries. But what happens a lot of times when you get into that situation, the guys that are there, the, 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 the leaders on defense will try to do too much and they'll end up doing their job and try to do somebody else's job at the same time, which tends to open the gate. And that can end to some lead to grumbling sometimes. These are all things that leadership in the locker room need to make sure doesn't happen before it ever gets to the level of the position coach, much less, much less the head coach. And that, that's the impression I got when he said those things. The, the thing about Coach Satake, though, is I – I would play for him any day of the week. I think he has a chance, if he wants to be, to be here for decades and impact generations of BYU football players. He's that kind of coach. He's that kind of man. And I think there are things that have kind of come to the surface that need to improve in the program that have been exposed by this crucible of the first year in the Big 12 that he'll need to take care of. But I I think he is the man to take care of those things. So now what he's doing is he's setting an example, a tone of accountability for everyone. And if anybody doesn't like it, they can either toughen up or they can pack their bags. Trevor, let's focus on the game itself. What were your takeaways from the game on Saturday? Well, that that they kind of ran out of people. You know, the, the defense didn't have much of a chance. There, there was so much attrition on the defensive line that you had backups in the rotation that were now the starters. And they're, they're okay. The problem then is that you had guys that weren't supposed to see a lot of playing time be key backups in the rotation, the new rotation. And so that ends up getting worn down, and that's a real problem. You've got uh, attrition 
with injuries in the linebacker. The safeties have been epically injured uh, as a as a room, as a group, since before the season even started. And I think it, it has come back to really haunt the team over the last few weeks. And you could see that they were desperately trying to do something, anything, to stem the tide. But they just didn't have enough people in depth to be able to get it done. Offensively, boy, they ran the ball better, didn't they? Yeah. And this is against one of the best defenses in the Big 12. And and they did. You could see the offensive line. They would bear down. They would, they would fight. The running backs ran hard. There were still too many zero to negative running plays. But at the same time, you saw a lot of improvement. I mean, 188 yards. Part of that, too, is you have a quarterback who can run, and that tends to stretch the defense a little bit. And that helps. But you saw the improvement there. Uh, the offensive problem is that from a combination of young quarterback and and injuries in the receiving core, frankly, you weren't able to get the passing game to work. And so, and then, huh, yeah, you weren't able to get the passing game to work. And so the combination of injuries on defense, injuries on offense, and the running game working, but the passing game not meant that there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to, to do a whole lot more than whatever happened in that game. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I think a lot of BYU fans and personnel, for that matter, are trying to figure out what changed after BYU went to 5-2. and two. They had just beaten Texas Tech, and they're thinking, hey, one more, we're bowl eligible, maybe seven wins is on the table. What happened from that point to where over the last three weeks, these games haven't even been competitive by halftime, Trevor? Now, and that's the most discouraging thing for the team. It's, it's been largely over at halftime in the last three games. So what shifted from 5-2 and two after beating Texas Tech to where BYU sits now scratching their heads? I think it's that combination of guys trying to do too much combined with guys that were trying to do uh, – that, that did too little, right? You put that together, it's a problem. Like, for example, in, in this game, right, they were outmanned by – Iowa State, and I think most of that was injuries. BYU had their full complement of starters, and Iowa State, their full complement of starters. That would have been a really competitive game. But look at the way the game started, right? It started with mistakes by BYU that had nothing to do with the opponent. 100%. The opening kickoff, they fumble. BYU recovers it, but Iowa State punches it in. Uh, so um, I check that. I take it back. They fumble. BYU recovers it. The next play is the interception. Yeah. And that interception, Retzloff had two guys open. The, the 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 short route and then the intermediate route were both open, but he threw the ball in between those two guys under pressure, right? So that was that was just a, a physical mistake by Retzloff. So you have a fumble to start the game, then you have an interception on the first play. Then on the ensuing kickoff after Iowa State punched that interception in for a touchdown, they uh fumble that kickoff, right? And so that's three plays where they the first three times they touched the ball, they either fumbled it or threw an interception. Brutal. Neither one of those were really caused by the defense, right? You might say the interception was because of the pressure, but there wasn't enough pressure for that ball to be where it was. So these are unforced errors from guys that I think are trying to do too much. Go back to the Kansas game. The very first run of the game was the uh, young receiver, freshman receiver on an end around, and he didn't protect himself or the ball. He got hit hard, ball comes out, scoop and score, touchdown. Look at the first pass of the game against TCU. The receiver didn't run a flat route on a crossing route. He ended up on the same level as the uh, defender. Quarterback's under pressure. He throws it out there, 
And instead of the receiver fighting to get back in front of the defender, he just sort of stops. And the defender is the one who's in front and catches the ball for a pick six. These are not forced by the opponent so much as they are mistakes by BYU. And that's what I come back to. Guys are either trying to do too much and therefore they're, they're not doing their job enough or they're not securing the basic fundamentals. Those two things together mm. are a perfect storm against BYU, especially in this conference, because BYU needs to win by making sure first they don't lose it. You know, the old adage, more games are lost than they are won, right? Well, BYU typically doesn't beat itself, but guys have found a way to, to do, make plays that beat themselves mm. that they then have to overcome as the game goes on, and the injuries are just too much to be able to do that. So, Trevor, with two games remaining, you obviously have Oklahoma coming here, and then you wrap up the regular season in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, which, by the way, nobody saw them losing at UCF this weekend. But for BYU, with two games left, what are realistic expectations of improvement this late in the season? Well, you have to define what improvement looks like. It, it would be uh, it's possible to win those games against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. It would be a shock of shocks if they did because of the, the state of the roster with, with the injuries. Where improvement needs to come is stop it with the plays that hurt the team. The basic fundamentals of securing the football. Yeah. The basic fundamentals of doing the what the quarterback expects you to do as a receiver. Uh, those things. The basic fundamentals of tackling securely when you are in position to tackle. These are things that they need to do correctly. Now, if they do that and they force Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to defeat them rather than open the gate, then you've got a, a, a situation where they have a chance to take advantage if those two teams uh, make some mistakes of their own. That's where you need to define success. Does BYU do things that hurt themselves or are they defeated by another team that just has better players right now and there's, there's no great sin to that? Trevor, as BYU welcomes Oklahoma, and mind you, BYU is a 24-point underdog when that line opened up at home. I can't recall a time I've ever seen BYU that big of a home underdog, but I digress. I'm looking specifically at the quarterback position for the Cougars as they prepare for such a monumental challenge against Oklahoma. In your opinion, are you riding with Jake Retzloff after what you've seen in two weeks? Or if Keaton Slovis is healthy enough, do you roll your starter out there at the beginning of the season that, in, to his credit, got BYU to a 5-2 and two start back out there for senior day against the Sooners? I think that Slovis gives the team the, the best chance to win because he gives them the best chance to fully engage all of the skill people. And that's important. Nothing against Retzloff. He actually he actually did a lot of great things, especially on the ground. I mean, you take away sacks, and he ran for I think eighty five yards, and and that helps a lot of a lot of things. Slovis is not the guy to do that, but at the same time, he is the guy to be able to distribute the ball well. I mean, Retzloff completed ten of twenty seven passes. That's what thirty one percent or thirty. It's in the thirties, um, and it wasn't all his fault. But at the same time, I think Slovis has gives you the best chance 
to win. I also don't know what Retzloff's uh, red shirt might look like, how many games he's played in. We know he's played in the last two, but before that, what's what's the situation? So so I, I don't know exactly what that means. I do know that that Slovis has been a magnificent leader, and I think he has made things happen that probably shouldn't have happened in a positive way for BYU because of that leadership and because of his physical uh, courage. And so I, I would pick him if if it were up to me, and it was those two. Now, I would be ready with Retzloff to go in because the problem is that you've got an Oklahoma defense coming up that uh, that can get after the passer. They're very aggressive. And one of the things you can say for Retzloff is that when the offensive line gets leaky, at least he can run around and make some things happen anyway better than Slovis can do. Either way, Slovis, I think, can get the ball out of his hand quicker and make more things happen. Trevor, it's always great to talk with you. We appreciate this segment every week. Maddich Monday is a fan favorite for sure. And Hey, fingers crossed for something good to happen on Senior Day. We'll roll out there and see what happens. You know what? It, it can. It can. And just, I want to say this to the fans. Give this team a little bit of grace because they have had a lot of injuries. And they've been trying to overcome those injuries and, and things have not turned out they wanted the way they wanted to. But they, they deserve some grace from the fans at this point because they're out there still fighting and it hurts them more than it hurts any fan to see how this season has progressed. Well said, Trevor. Thanks again for the time. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich, such a huge part of our show every Monday during football season. And I've always appreciated how fair he is to the situation. It just is. It's a tough scenario all around. Um, but BYU still has, after all of that, an opportunity to try and get something moving in the right direction. You have goals. Something. You had goals at the beginning of the season that are still attainable. Can they They're chan- still out there. They channel what UCF did against Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> so- Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Nobody. All right, after further review, we'll recap Iowa State and preview Oklahoma tomorrow night at 5 Eastern, excuse me, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Hey, in case you forgot, it was actually a pretty good weekend for BYU athletics overall, football aside. We'll tackle that, no pun intended, in the headlines and a loaded cougar whip around after this. This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You can just feel the energy, and that carries onto the court so quickly. It's electric. Driving lane, Richie Saunders scores it. Right to the rim, scoop and score. Nicely done. Hall stops. Need this one. for three. It's Hall. Hall, a three-point shot. He made it. We got big plans, and this is just the beginning for us. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. Earlier today, Jason Shepard going one-on-one with Dallin Hall across the way in the Cougar Council Room. Dallin, uh, thanks for coming in uh, this morning, uh, especially after a big win. It's always fun to talk about wins, right? Yes, indeed. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, I want to start out by, uh, and I, we have to apologize to our BYU radio fans or maybe anybody listening on the podcast because you're not going to be able to see this uh, glorious picture, but uh, I, w- I want to ask you about this picture uh, from the game against San Diego State. Uh, first and foremost, do you remember this happening? Because based off of how your head is hitting the floor, I'm not sure that you, you will, uh, but take us through what that felt like. Yeah, um, not great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
I do remember it. I kind of remember him like pushing me up on my neck and I was a little frustrated, upset with him after that. Um, obviously one of my more photogenic moments, but <laughs> no. Do you, need to, do you need us to get that blown up and like you turn that into a poster? Yeah, might just keep that one to myself, honestly, <laughs> if we can keep that under wraps. There we go. There, <laughs> there we go. Well, like first and foremost, congratulations on the win. What a big, big win knocking off number 17, um, San Diego State. When you look back on Friday night, what was the biggest factor in, uh, in getting that victory? Uh, I think it was our defensive toughness and just toughness in general. That was a huge key for us going in against San Diego State. They're a really tough team, physical. And so we knew we had to not only match it, but be the tougher team. And I felt like for 40 minutes we were. And so we had dudes like Foos battling all night, Richie Saunders. Um, I could go down the list, but guys that just really embodied that toughness and helped lead us defensively. And so we, we came out with the victory because of that. There's always the game within the game and the matchup that was so much fun to watch. You mentioned Foose. Foose and Jaden Ledeed, back and forth and back and forth. Those guys were you know down low. Both of those guys were doing work. That was a really fun game, uh, a fun matchup to watch all night long. Yeah, I know uh, Foose, he'd been looking forward to that one for a minute because last year Ledee gave us some problems. This year, obviously, he got his points, but I thought Foose really uh, handled his business, and he, uh, he showed why he's one of the best big men in the country. He was awesome for us. One of the other bright spots, not just what you did in terms of the, the 18 points and the, and the clutch shooting there in the second half, but was the fact that you played 25 minutes. You played 14 in, in the opening uh, game uh, of the season. You go 25. How, how good did it feel to be out there and, and playing well and feeling healthy? It felt incredible. Um, you know, I'm super grateful for our training staff. Um, Rob Ramos, Wiz, you know, helping me get my body right. Super grateful to God um, for allowing me that opportunity and helping me to, to heal up. And it was a frustrating process to get back. Um, it made me think about like Trevin Nell last year, you know, set out the full season appreciate him a lot because the kind of teammate he was for us last year and the kind of teammate he is today like that dude is one of the most mentally tough people I know to go through that and be that kind of teammate and so I'm just super I have a lot of gratitude in my heart to, to my heavenly father and to my training staff and for everyone that helped me get back. What can a win like that do for you? Not, not just you but the team I know it's only game two, so it's early, but uh, you get an early win like that. Is that something that you look uh, not just to build off of, but maybe can catapult you guys to, to you know, really get on a roll here? Yeah, I think it's a great uh, stepping stone for us. I feel like maybe a springboard even. Um, it gave us a good idea of where we're at, which um, we hadn't had yet. Great test for us. I feel as far as our confidence, that doesn't really change because um, – you know, we've only listened to what our guys in our locker room have said all, all summer, all year. And we felt like we were capable of winning that game, and we showed that. And so we're just going to continue to believe in each other and, and continue to strive to accomplish our goals. What does it say about you guys? Because, and Coach Pope was mentioned this after the game, you guys still even aren't at full strength. You, you mean, Dawson still hasn't played to this point. And this is, you're still coming back, and other guys are coming back. And so the fact that you guys aren't even full strength and had a performance like that, you know, that's, that probably says a lot about not just what you are, but what you can be as well when you are 100%. Exactly. No, it's, it's honestly exciting. It gets me, 
gets me pumped to think about what we can do. Um, obviously, we want to be present, take it one game at a time like we were talking about earlier. Um, but, yeah, we have some dudes like Dawson, uh, myself just getting back, and, you know, a couple things to work out from that game, like when we watched the film. And so we're nowhere near our peak, which is exciting. Um, but it's cool to get the W right now at the start of the season, and hopefully we'll just keep building on it. Talking with Dallin Hall here on BYU Sports Nation. Um, you were, the, the game against San Diego State was not the first time you've hit big shots um, in a BYU uniform. That goes without saying. What is it about those moments? Because you've come up big in clutch moments. What is it about those moments that, uh, that you relish? Um, honestly, like, I, there's a couple things. I love the, the trust that my teammates and my coach have in me to take those shots. Um, and then, yeah, I've always just loved those moments. It's where I felt the most, um, in the zone kind of, it's hard to describe that feeling, but athletes understand it. And so, you know, in the stakes of the highest, I just love to be present in the moment and step up to the challenge and, and whatever happens, you know, I'll live with, but I'm going to go out there and put my best foot forward. I think it was Seth Davis that, uh, that tweeted it out or X'd it out or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, over the weekend, he was talking about how big of a win it was over San Diego State. But they also mentioned, you know, Big 12 teams coming in here to the Marriott Center. It, it, it ain't going to be easy. I think it was another example of just what. All right. If you would like to see the full and remainder of that interview between Jason and Dallin, you can check out BYU Sports Nation, our YouTube page, and see it posted on X as well. Great stuff from Dallin. Big shot, he's, Dallin. He's fantastic. He's, he's great. So understated for what he's done and what he means to this team. Up next, a rise and shout out to part of what was an awesome Friday. And Dallin was a big part of that. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B alongside Dave McCann. I'm Spencer Linton. It's time for the BYU men's volleyball schedule reveal. And to help us do so, we bring in the head coach. Sean Olmstead, rocking some BYU golf gear now. Yeah, now Bruce is uh, one of my best friends down there, and so um, I just wanted a nice, clean sweatshirt, and maybe I didn't take note that it was, but but it looks good. It, it looks great. good for sure. Goes with the hat. Yes, yes, Absolutely. perfect, That's perfect. That's the swaggiest swag. Yes, You're almost as good as the sweater, but we're good. It's old school over here. <laughs> really good. All right, let's go ahead and walk through the schedule and get right to it. Uh, by yeah. the way, every home game will air live on BYU TV. You are the BYU TV team. We Sean. are here. We are here. You are, you You're, are welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank You're welcome. You're welcome. We thank you. In the flesh. Here for the fans. Okay, let's go ahead and roll out the schedule. Uh, a road trip palooza, if you will, to begin for BYU men's volleyball against Ball State at Loyola Chicago and at Lewis, followed by a trip to Santa Barbara and then home finally to Princeton. So as you look at those first five matchups, Sean, hey, you're on the road a lot. How do you feel about that before you come home? Well, uh, we are home against Ball State. Oh. So, you know, oh, JK. Um, I'm helping JK. you. I'm helping you. You're supposed to be the expert here, but that's all right. That's all right. That's a big, big time, uh, actually a really big home opener for us. It's going to be right, I think, the weekend before the students come into town. Ball State is going to be, uh, they're going to be really good. Uh, they were really good last year. We went on the road to their place. They have a great, 
uh, their coach uh, does a phenomenal job and he and I have uh, you know really had this back and forth that we've enjoyed both of us because they they pull in a great crowd kind of Muncie Indiana they, they the people come to watch volleyball and so uh, we're going to open with them this year here at home, and I think that's going to be a big-time matchup just knowing the, the roster they return and the run they had last year. And so we're excited about that. And then we do uh, we have a cool little showcase in Chicago where we're going to go with UCLA, and we're going to kind of swap. So we're not going to play UCLA there, but they're going to play uh, Lewis, for example. We're going to be playing Lo Loyola that night, and then they'll go play Loyola. We go play Lewis. So it's kind of these two MPSF teams going out to Chicago. There's going to be uh, there's going to be an event around that uh, uh, those matches, and and so that's pretty exciting. That's and then, a great volleyball community, by the way. Really, volleyball. really good. And, and Lewis and Loyola to to host BYU, UCLA. That's going to be really fun. And um, and then we're going to have some unique unique opportunities in there, uh, where we've got some Monday Tuesday night matchups here in town. It was really a unique opportunity, and with uh, with all we're doing with the Big Twelve all over the place, right. we're going for those opportunities. We've seen matchups earlier in the week. It'll be kind of a first time for our volleyball fans, but it was just a really good opportunity to to have Princeton here in town. Great program. Sam does a phenomenal job there, and it just worked out that that was the only time. But they really wanted to play here at the Smith Fieldhouse, so. We've got it, and we're going to turn right around and, and play Irvine, and then, like you said, Santa Barbara right before that on the road. Uh, you can't complain about going home to Santa Barbara, never. I'll never complain about that one. Never a bad weather day. No, no. And so, uh, and then we are, we've got a, we've got a nice home stretch, uh, a lot of matches, so. Let's put uh, that schedule back up. Sorry. There was a lot to digest there. Yeah. There's some really cool home matches. Of course, UCLA jumps off the page. Yeah. That has all the makings of a magical night at the Smith Fieldhouse. Yeah, 100%. Um, UCLA is going to be the, the, they're the national championship team uh, last year. Um, and they're pretty much returning their entire lineup, and, and it's UCLA. So it gets to be UCLA, BYU. We've got some fans that have been around since day one that wear the original BYU, you know, beat the Bruins shirt for those matchups. Um, <laughs> and so uh, MPSF is the MPSF. We've got – it's going to be tough. I, I, I think we'll be one of the best volleyball country, uh, conferences in the country, um, uh, similar to what we were last year. We had really, really good competition in the MPSF. And so um, just top to bottom, it's a pretty exciting time for us to get going. I saw uh, at Stanford, at Pepperdine, at USC, yeah. which is great news for the Southern California BYU fans. Yeah, and, and we always get a great crowd. crowd. They always yeah. show up. They always show up, and it's important for me. You know, they'll have two opportunities. Uh, you know, they, they, they show up at Santa Barbara. They show up really, really well when we're down in Irvine, and that's why Irvine and I have such a great relationship. We, we go back and forth with those teams, and that's been – you know, we sort of have one of those agreements for uh, for for eternity. Uh, I don't know. That's that's what we've that's what we've agreed to because it's a great opportunity for us to get back there, and there is so many fans. And so, uh, SC's SC, Pepperdine's Pepperdine, and right. uh, as it relates, as we compare it to the Big Twelve stuff, uh, I can't complain that we've got to go to Malibu and Los Angeles. Uh, uh, you know, back to back here nor and there. Should you. No, nor, nor should you no. complain about that. I'd like to personally thank you for correcting me there so that I don't end up in Muncie by myself in uh, early well, January wondering yeah, where BYU men's I didn't want to interrupt. Sean, I didn't want to interrupt. Sean, where are you? I make you look bad already style-wise and, and in other areas, but I just, I, I thought I'd hold my, bite my tongue there for a minute and then no, get going. Look, unleash the full. <laughs> hey, what is it, what is it like uh, as the only program on campus that's not in the Big 12 
when it feels like you have to wait forever for your season to start because January seems to take forever to get here. But two, there's all that Big 12 stuff and, and you're over here in the MPSF thriving as you have yeah. for years, but different. Yeah, you know, it is different, but um, but it's also not. I mean, the excitement, the, the reality is you guys know the excitement. You guys feel it every day when you go down there into the athletics area, when whether you're watching a practice or in an, at an event. And so uh, I think it's been really exciting this fall. You know, look yeah. at the success. At, just look at the teams we've been able to bring in that have been brand new teams coming to Provo. Right. Uh, I mean, we've got football uh, against Oklahoma this weekend. Like, how cool is that? Um, we've had these great soccer matchups against the, the Texas, the TCU. We've had these great volleyball matchups. Yeah. We've got another one this weekend, I think, Kansas. Right. Yes, and so, matchup. So it's just been really cool that uh, to have that opportunity. It's, and so we've just enjoyed the excitement of that. And watching Jen do what she's doing with soccer, like, let's go, you know, and uh, watching my sister, what they've done with volleyball, they've, they've, they've had to gut it out and they're, they're doing a great job, all things considered. They, you knew it would be an adjustment. And um, just also, you know, the, the fans that have come out, football weekends, I've, I've been to as many home games as we can get, yeah. taking recruits to those games. It's a wonderful and exciting time. There's energy, there's excitement, and uh, we're going to continue to partake. And then when it's our turn to lace them up, uh, our guys, will, they'll entertain. They'll get after it. And you'll have the place packed. How cool is it to know that, that uh, no matter who it is, once your team comes out of the locker room, the field house is jam-packed for men's volleyball. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. And, and Heather and their program, it's kind of fun because they kind of set the stage. And they've, you know, they've, they've raised the bar. The, the, the fans just enjoy volleyball. They pack that place for them. And then, uh, you know, we kind of we get to benefit a little uh, from it, um, definitely. But, you know, on that note, our fans are just it's it's unreal it's so cool for me to see them year after year the you know familiar faces people that care so much that are passionate and uh we can't we can't say thanks enough we don't get as we don't get enough opportunities to express kind of the gratitude towards the fans and those people that show up night in and night out sean olmstead is with us on byu sports nation head volleyball coach for the byu cougars and into another mpsf season you said earlier you feel like it's going to be one of the best conferences or federations if uh -huh, you will. federation there you go yeah <laughs> in all of men's yes. volleyball and the tournament getting into the tournament is always kind of a tricky beast but do you feel like the conference and the strength of the conference will certainly place multiple teams in the tournament or do you feel like that you're in a good position to do that yeah i mean yeah i think the conference uh we're gonna do all the teams are we saw it last year everybody kind of beat up on each other um I was unbelievably proud of our guys and, and uh, forever and ever on, on what they did last year in the conference where they went from coaches picking them to finish second to last yeah. to winning outright the number two seed. Um, and and, and they, they, they held home court. You know, we, we, we went on the road and, and had some, uh, a handful of tough, tough losses, but we saw that every team did. You know, and that's why we even with those losses, uh, we were able to we were able to sneak some wins in on the road and finish in that number two seed. And so no matter, you know, absolutely, our conference prepares us for that. And sure. and, um, you know, there's some unique things as it relates to scheduling that I think we can do better as a conference in general. But um, that, that's why we had to we had to kind of squeeze in a few more matches at the front end okay um because you got some finals week some dead weeks uh, it, with some of the the schools in our conference at the latter part of the semester that 
aren't ideal. And those are really, really tough to pick up matches in those weeks because the rest of the country, they're playing, you know, their conferences at the back end. And so they're not gonna, rarely are they gonna open a window and go, hey, yeah, we're midway through our conference, but let's go to Provo and play a match or you guys come right. to our place. So sure. we, we pack in the front end, we try to get a handful of matches and especially in January, we're gonna get a bunch, we're gonna get more than normal. And uh, we gotta be able to compete in those and that'll be good for us because that'll prepare us as well for conference and give a lot of guys opportunities to play. Oh, cannot wait. <laughs> January 5th and 6th, people, is, yes, right, around, is right around the corner. Let's go, like. right around the corner. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, Sean, uh, we wish you the best. Let's give you some karma as you get ready for the season, man. Always, always. karma? Yeah. It's karma nonetheless. Come yes, on, it, it's karma. Car go. good, it's always Thanks, good. It's part of that karma that got in the number two seed last year. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Barry Chen will be rocking tomorrow night, BYU in southeastern Louisiana. First time out for the Cougars after knocking off 17th ranked San Diego State. Pre-game coverage starts at 8 Eastern with Jerem, Kristen Kozlowski, and Tyler Haas. Spencer, Blaine, and I'll have the call at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. In the spirit of Oklahoma week, remember how BYU is 2-0 against Oklahoma? Yeah, you bet. They've got some great plays against the Sooners. Top 5 Tuesday features the best five plays all time against Oklahoma. That's next on BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The show continues in Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Dave. Let's go fast and furious, up-tempo for headlines. BYU football, the day off yesterday due to NCAA-required Civic Engagement Day within 15 days of Election Day. They return to practice today. Number 714 Oklahoma is here Saturday. Pre-game coverage starts at 10 a.m. on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU women's basketball hosting Utah Valley tonight as Amber Whiting and the Cougars work to start the season 3-0. I'll be on the call with Kristen Kozlowski for coverage starting at 9 Eastern, Big 12 now on ESPN+. Women's volleyball falls one spot in the ABCA poll to 13. They go on the road, they sweep Central Florida, and they drop a spot. Cougars host number 17, Kansas. Senior night, Friday, Smithfield House, ESPN+. Plus. They probably got to win out to host an NCAA tournament match or two in the Smithfield House. Let's do it. And BYU Swim and Dive announcing the hiring of Hayden Palmer as an assistant coach. Palmer swam at BYU from 2009 to 2015. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Men's hoop, seven spots out of the AP Top 25, one spot behind San Diego State, who they beat on Friday. Will BYU be ranked at some point this season? You know what, Dave? If they continue, like, if you can go 11-2 in non-conference play and pick up a big win in Las Vegas when they go down to that multi-team event, maybe. But it's probably going to take, like, a 7-0 start or an 8-0 start for BYU to get ranked. Getting a lot of mileage out of the San Diego State game, yes. Sure. Maybe. It'd probably take a 7-0 start, though. Yeah, I agree. Big game boomer. He's back. Has BYU playing, get this, Utah State in the Cure Bowl in his bowl game projections. Would you take a bowl game against Utah State right now? Yeah. And we need a cure for what ails us. <laughs> so the Cure Bowl against whoever, my kids who got me this sweatshirt, are all Aggies. They'd love that. The Aggies are actually playing pretty good. I'm desperate for any bowl game. I'll listen, I'll happily even fly to Shreveport right now again. What do you just, to, just to get into a bowl game. What do you expect from the women tonight? 
take it on UVU. Well, you're gonna call. they just beat up on Weber State, did BYU, and Weber State lost by one point to Utah Valley. I expect a 14 to 16 point win by BYU Women's Hoops against Utah Valley. We're gonna hold you to that. Tonight's a rare double dose of the BYU coaches shows with Kalani Sataki and Mark Pope for one night only. 8.30 Eastern Time on the BYU TV app. Think of it as a double scoop of ice cream Ooh. on a nice cone with two of your favorite flavors. That's tonight. Graham Canyon and Laville, Lavelle's Vanilla, yeah? Okay. okay, after the break, we'll give you a look at the 2024 BYU men's volleyball schedule, the reveal with head coach Sean Olmstead. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday, and with it being Oklahoma week, we're looking back at the top five plays all time against Oklahoma. But we're gonna make it six, Dave. We have an honorable mention for our good friend Chad Lewis. Rewind the 1994 Copper Bowl in Arizona. Look at this catch by Chad Lewis. Just stabs it. Atta boy, big 96. That's the start of an All-American career right Indeed. there. Indeed. I love the drop shadow uniforms as well. They look so nice. All right, Dave, take us to number five. Number five. Now we're going old school. We've just played them twice, so this is where we're going. We're going back to 94 in that Copper Bowl. BYU's up 10-0 second quarter. Hema Hemuli down the seam. John Walsh was fantastic Woo. that night. Picks up another 10 yards. Look at him absorb Gain the contact and stay on his feet. Ugh. 74 yards receiving for this bulldozer. Right here. And I tell you what, Oklahoma had no chance in this game. Oh, 31 to 6. Hema Hemuli delivering the blow there. Number four, 2009 season opener at AT&T Stadium. Max Hall finds Brian Correa, who was a pleasant surprise in this game. Short route, 49-yard gain, making all types of defenders miss. The catch and run set up BYU's first touchdown on a pass from Max Hall to Andrew George. Brian Correa, one of the unsung heroes of that game. This whole game was a pleasant surprise. Harvey Unga couldn't play. He wasn't going to play. We found out, and that was Brian Correa. Fortunately, Dennis Pitta did play. Yes. Here's number three. BYU's down 13-7. Three minutes to go. We all remember this. Yes. It's fourth and four. Where's Dennis? Max to Dennis for 23. And now all of a sudden we're going, hey, I think we're gonna we got a shot here. We need a touchdown to beat these guys. That's number three, Hall to Pitta. Well, that play became then a decoy to set up a later play you'll see in this rundown. But Number two first, 1994 once again. After Hema Hemuli's big catch that we just showed you, John Walsh, look at the dime he drops to Mike Johnson. I'm not sure about the celebration, <laughs> but the toe tap by Mike Johnston. He might have gotten both feet down before that knee came down. Incredible. Listen, I'd, dime. Have, I'd have flagged him 15 yards just for his celebration. <laughs> <laughs> throw the flag. What is that? That's number Incredible two. Incredible throw and catch right there. We know number one. We're going to show it to you again. We've seen it over and over in Cougar Lore. Here's Max Hall. They're all paying attention to Dennis. Three minutes to go. McKay Jacobson wide open in the end zone for the touchdown. BYU beats the number three Sooners 14 to 13. Earlier in the game, they knocked Sam Bradford out. That played a big part of it, and the Cougars were tough in that play lives on forever. Hey, for what it's worth, BYU was also a 20-plus point underdog in this game as well. So you're saying there's a chance. We've seen the movie before. We know how it ends. Hey. Wouldn't that be something? Let's go. Our question of the day. What word would you use to describe your feelings? You look inside. Hey, your feelings for Saturday's game against <laughs> Oklahoma. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Dave, take it away. 
Jeff Chandler on X, desperation. <laughs> BYU needs the type of effort that shows a team hungry and desperate for a win. That's how you pull off an upset. That is true. That's how you pull off an upset. Yes. All right. To quote Jim Carrey from uh, Liar Liar, I'm a fool at the end of his desperate rope. <laughs> Let's go. Today's Rise of Shadow presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's go back to Mike Johnston, He's earned we? it. He's earned okay. it today. A great catch. We just showed it to you. Um, the celebration, <laughs> I, can't, I just can't get over the What do you think he was Dave. thinking? I got this touchdown. This was great. It's, it's, it's almost like the Homer Simpson whoop, 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 when he's like Here it spinning is. around he's the like, ground. I'm just I'm going back down. How about that? Yeah, that's a 25-yard penalty right there. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> well done, Mike. Our thanks to today's guests, Harvey Longy and Sean Olmstead. Our conversation continues on all our social media platforms. Check them out all day long. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Michele Iremia. See you after, for after further review and BYU football with Kalani Sitake tonight on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday. And with it being Oklahoma week, we're looking back at the top five plays all time against Oklahoma. But we're going to make it six, Dave. We have an honorable mention for our good friend Chad Lewis. Rewind the 1994 Copper Bowl in Arizona. Look at this catch by Chad Lewis. Just stabs it. boy, Big 96. That's the start of an All-American career right Indeed. there. Indeed. I love the drop shadow uniforms as well. They look so nice. All right, Dave, take us to number five. Number five. Now we're going old school. We've just played them twice, so this is where we're going. We're going back to 94 in that Copper Bowl. BYU's up 10-0 second quarter. Hema Hemuli down the seam. John Walsh was fantastic Woo. that night. Picks up another 10 yards. Look at him absorb the contact and stay on his feet. Uh. 74 yards receiving for this bulldozer. Right here. And I tell you what, Oklahoma had no chance in this game. Oh, 31 to 6. Hema Hemuli delivering the blow there. Number four, 2009 season opener at AT&T Stadium. Max Hall finds Brian Correa, who was a pleasant surprise in this game. Short route, 49-yard gain, making all types of defenders miss. The catch and run set up BYU's first touchdown on a pass from Max Hall to Andrew George. Brian Correa, one of the unsung heroes of that game. This whole game was a pleasant surprise. Harvey Unga couldn't play. He wasn't going to play. We found out, and that was Brian Correa. Fortunately, Dennis Pitta did play. Yes. Here's number three. BYU's down 13-7. Three minutes to go. We all remember this. Yes. It's fourth and four. Where's Dennis? Max to Dennis for 23. And now all of a sudden we're going, hey, I think we're going to, we got a shot here. We need a touchdown to beat these guys. That's number three, Hall to Pitta. Well, that play became then a decoy to set up a later play you'll see in this rundown. But number two first, 1994 once again. After Hema Hemuli's big catch that we just showed you, John Walsh, look at the dime he drops to Mike Johnson. I'm not sure about the celebration, <laughs> but the toe tap by Mike Johnston. He might have gotten both feet down before that knee came down. Incredible. Listen, I'd, dime. Have, I'd have flagged him 15 yards just for his celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the flag. What is that? That's number Incredible two. throw and catch right there. We know number one. We're going to show it to you again. We've seen it over and over in Cougar lore. Here's Max Hall. They're all paying attention to Dennis. Three minutes to go. McKay Jacobson wide open. 
in the end zone for the touchdown. BYU beats the number three Sooners 14-13. Earlier in the game, they knocked Sam Bradford out. That played a big part of it, and the Cougars were tough, and that play lives on forever. Hey, for what it's worth, BYU was also a 20-plus point underdog in this game as well. So you're saying there's a chance. We've seen the movie before. We know how it ends. Hey. Wouldn't that be something? Let's go. Our question of the day. What word would you use to describe your feelings? You look inside. Hey, your feelings for Saturday's game against <laughs> Oklahoma. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Dave, take it away. Jeff Chandler on X, desperation. <laughs> BYU needs the type of effort that shows a team hungry and desperate for a win. That's how you pull off an upset. That is true. That's how you pull off an upset. Yes. All right. To quote Jim Carrey from uh, Liar Liar, I'm a fool at the end of his desperate rope. <laughs> Let's go. Today's Rise of Shadow presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's go back to Mike Johnston, He's shall earned we? it. He's earned okay. it today. A great catch. We just showed it to you. Um, the celebration, <laughs> I can't, just can't get over the What do you think he was Dave. thinking? I got this touchdown. This was great. It's, it's, it's almost like the Homer Simpson whoop, 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 when he's like Here spinning it is. around He's the like, ground. I'm just I'm going back down. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that's a 25-yard penalty right there. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> well done, Mike. Our thanks to today's guests, Harvey Longy and Sean Olmstead. Our conversation continues on all our social media platforms. Check them out all day long. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to McKelly Iremia. See you after, for after further review and BYU football with Kalani Sitake tonight on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs. BYU football dropped its third straight game, losing 45-13 to Iowa State on Saturday night. BYU falls to 5-5 five five overall and 2-5 and in Big 12 play. Up next for the Cougars is number 17, Oklahoma, coming to Provo with a noon Eastern time kickoff on ESPN. Pre-game coverage will begin at 10 a.m. Eastern on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. On to Cougars in the NFL Part 1. Led up by Zach Wilson who went 23 of 39 for 263 yards passing and an interception. He ran for 54 yards as well but the New York Jets fall 16 to 12 against the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. Fred Warner on the San Francisco 49ers defense was awesome. Seven tackles. He had a pass breakup and an interception in the 49ers 34-3 win against the Jaguars. Taysom Hill only had one carry for six yards, two catches for 17 yards, and not surprisingly, the Saints lost 27-19 to Jaron Hall and Kyrus Tonga's Vikings. Remember, they're 17-1 when he has six or more carries? Yep. Why are you not beating Taysom the ball? It seems to make sense. Jamal Williams had seven rushing yards and three receiving yards for New Orleans in that loss. Tyler Algier had nine carries for 31 yards and one catch for seven yards in a Falcons 25-23 loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Kyle Van Oy had three tackles for the Ravens and Sione Takitaki had three tackles for the Browns in a Cleveland win over Baltimore. Zane Anderson had a tackle for the Packers Boy, as Zane. Green Bay lost to the Steelers. And Michael Davis left the Chargers 41-38 loss to the Lions early in the first half due to an illness. BYU men's basketball upset 17th ranked San Diego State 74-65 in a raucous Marriott Center on Friday night behind 16 second half points from big shot Dallin Hall who will join us later in the show, including this step back three with ice in his veins. Looks up, sees 12 on the shot clock. Steps back for three. Oh my! Dallin Hall, 18 points, none bigger than those three. Finished with those 18, Jackson Robinson, Foose Traore, and Richie Saunders each scored 12 for the Cougars. 
BYU's bench outscored the Aztec bench 42 to nine. Look at that. Out-rebounded by 10. Up next for BYU Southeastern Louisiana at home this Wednesday night. Number one seed BYU women's soccer beat Utah State 2-0 on Friday night to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Kendall Peterson opened the scoring for the Cougars before Olivia Wade Katoa put the game away with a goal in the 73rd minute. BYU will host number eight seeded UC, USC excuse me, in the second round of the NCAA tournament on Thursday, November 16th. 12th ranked BYU women's volleyball beats UCF in three sets for a second straight night on Friday night to move to 22-5 on the season, 11-4 in Big 12 play. Aaron Livingston leading the Cougars with 17 kills. It's a huge number in three sets. Up next for the Cougars, senior night against 14th ranked Kansas this Friday. Huge one at the Smithfield House. Women's basketball beat Weber State 77-49 in dominant fashion on Friday morning. Lauren Gustin's 24.12 rebound effort helped lead the Cougars. Freshman Kaylee Woolston, who is phenomenal, scored 16 points and made a team-high three three-pointers en route to the win. Up next, a home game against Utah Valley tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time on both BYU Radio and ESPN+. Third-ranked men's and women's cross-country, both advancing to the NCAA Nationals after both teams finished second place at NCAA Regionals. Nationals take place this Saturday in Earliesville, Virginia. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff against Oklahoma. Your thoughts? I uh, can't wait to eat a very early breakfast <laughs> and sleep maybe like four hours the night before and yeah. get up at 5 a.m. and go to work, man. Only, there's only, I can only recall one other time that we had a 10 a.m. kick, 2004 against New Mexico late in the season. They had a 10 a.m. kick in the Mountain West Conference. The first, the, the first thing that came to my mind is I will be in Hawaii with women's basketball. That's a 7 a.m. Hawaii time kick. So here we go. Here we go. Watch the sunrise, Jason. <laughs> yes. And then watch kickoff between BYU and Oklahoma. Let's do it. Check out BYU football with Kalani Satake tomorrow night at 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app and on ESPN+. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, head football coach Kalani Satake says he's, quote, excited for Saturday's game against 17th-ranked Oklahoma. We'll discuss how all of us are feeling before Saturday's game. Plus, we'll break down where BYU's defense can immediately be better and what is most fixable with former Cougar standout Harvey Lange. It's Top 5 Tuesday. We're looking at the top five BYU plays against Oklahoma. Cougars are 2-0 against the Sooners. And men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead is in studio to reveal the Cougars' 2024 schedule. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, November 14th. I am Spencer Linton, and he is a man otherwise known as the breakfast marketing guru, Dave McCann. I am not a professional foodie, but I did share a limo with Wolfgang Puck once in New York. Wow. So that qualifies me a little bit. 
so we got this 10 a.m. football game. Okay. Our game day starts at 8 a.m. So I'm thinking the hot dogs and the nachos, you move those aside. Eggs Benedict. And food service comes in <laughs> and goes, pancakes, bacon, eggs, maybe a, maybe a cereal bar in the, okay. in the first quarter. We've got to change the, you know, they do breakfast at Wimbledon. We need breakfast with the Cougs. Okay. And uh, change the mindset and pretend like nothing's ever happened before. <laughs> And then take the field and play like, you know, they say uh, you, a, a great start to a day is a great breakfast. Yeah, let's, let's start with that because the game could be over by lunch. So oh. breakfast with the Cougs and then uh, let's get in there. Hot dogs, that's maybe for another day. Let's hope it's competitive into the lunch hour. Yes. All right? Yeah. Okay. How about a, a competitive lunch hour, a success, and then a nap? <laughs> Before we do the men's basketball game yes. that night. All after eating a cougar tail with bacon on top of it. Okay, can we get that as part of the breakfast menu Listen, as well? I'll be honest. I wish they'd just bring the chocolate back and leave the others out. Really? Yeah. That's how outside I'm of the box maple I'm guy? thinking on that. No. Right. I will never bite into a maple bar. What? At all. However, I will eat a chocolate one like I did the other day. <laughs> I wish they'd just do both, but for some reason, they're just stuck on the maple. The man has spoken. I, I compared it to Royal and Navy. You can have both, right? Yeah, yeah. You can have both. They both go great. <laughs> you, can, you can have both. Throw some chocolate milk in there. You got a yeah. hat trick. All rise and shout. I'm starving. Let's get to what's trending. This ties for the end zone. He's got it. Retzloff again is going to get sacked. Retzloff throws. That's a touchdown. Oh, it's a quarterback quandary of sorts. What's Trending is sponsored by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We'll get to the quarterbacks in just a moment, Dave. But first and foremost, we need to go back to the most quotable thing from Kalani Sitake's press conference yesterday. When he was asked how he's feeling heading into Oklahoma week after that debacle against Iowa State, here's what the head football coach said. New week, uh, so going to our... Next game, and then uh, looking forward to our, the game this weekend. And obviously, last weekend didn't go the way we wanted it to. But um, I think we're after watching the film and seeing where we're at, uh, have uh, a lot of excitement for what we can get done this week. Okay, Kalani chooses the word excitement for what BYU can get done this week. Because he uses that word, got us thinking, all right, how are all of uh, the rest of us feeling about this game against Oklahoma where BYU is a 24-and-a-half-point home underdog right now? So how would you express your emotions and feelings leading into this game given what we've seen the last three weeks? Well, listening to the coach, uh, and again, listening to it this morning, I, I, I think that Timberley told him, you go down there and you say something nice. <laughs> and so, so this, is, this is Kalani's way of saying, uh, I'm not giving up on these guys, and I need these guys to not give up on themselves. And so he's excited to just, you know, hey, it's Oklahoma. They've never been here before. This is one of the big fish in the pond coming in. And, uh, and I think it's all about, guys, it doesn't matter what happened Saturday. What matters is, is this Saturday. Sure. That being said, um, you know, I've been researching them for AFR, the Sooners for AFR tonight, and uh, man, they're number one in all the categories you don't want your opponent to be number one in. Uh, especially They're number on one offense. in many categories that BYU is near dead last in on yeah, offense, yeah. right? So you look at that and you go right back to that line from Jaws where you go, hey, we're going to need a bigger boat as, as you see them swim by. But uh, they're two and two on, uh, uh, in, away from home. Yeah. And um, 
they can be vulnerable at times. You know, UCF took them to the limit. They looked a little bit uh, mediocre against even at Cincinnati. Right, right. And they're Different team on the road. They're coming in here. They're going to feel like uh, this is also the earliest game for them since 2002. Um, but BYU's just put up so little of a fight the last three weeks. I think that's where Cougar Nation is, is thinking, just show me some. Just punch back. Punch back a little bit. Show us you can counterpunch and stay in the fight longer than the first round. Um, and I think... I think that's kind of where the mindset of Cougar Nation is, um, where the coaches got to go. No, we're going, we're coming in, guns are blazing, and we got a chance to shock the country. You do have a chance to steal the headline of the day. These guys think they are still going to the Big 12 championship, or at least they have a shot at it. Um, they're 14th in the country, and BYU's on ESPN again, a chance to make some noise. But man, I think Cougar Nation's nervous. Certainly, uh, nervous is a fair word. I think. The word that first popped into my mind was hesitant. I, I'm not really sure what to expect from BYU because of the trend that we've seen over the last three weeks. But you have to consider the emotions of senior day. And yeah. it's they know now, every one of the players that I interviewed in the postgame talked specifically about getting to six wins. Six wins is still very, very important for us, especially for the seniors. How incredible would it be to do something that basically nobody expects you to do as a 24-and-a-half-point underdog to upset Oklahoma to get win number six and do so on senior day in front of a national audience? Hey. I mean, all of that stuff, like that alone, like you set the table right there and you're like, okay, I can see why people would be excited. Yeah. It's Oklahoma in Provo on senior day and you have a chance – to, again, do something, to, to right the ship immediately and get to a bowl game in your first Power 5 season. But BYU has shown us who they are over 10 weeks. Yeah. Dave, for, in order for BYU to beat Oklahoma, to me, one simple thing has to happen. Okay? And, and if it happens, you better believe I'm at the front of the line saying, I'm very excited. <laughs> okay? I'm, I'm excited to hear yeah. what this is. That is, you have to be at least plus two in the turnover margin. Yeah. For BYU to have any shot to beat Oklahoma, because they've shown us in the five wins that they've had, plus 12 in the turnover margin, five losses, minus eight. got to beat Oklahoma in the turnover battle probably by two to have any type of shot. And if BYU can't do that, then I'm feeling significant trepidation because that Oklahoma offense is a high-powered machine. And the Cougars, when they have won games, they've been opportunistic after they have turned teams over. That This is the way for BYU. Got to make Dylan Gabriel uncomfortable. Yes. He's the best quarterback in the country as far as starts and touchdown passes over the course of his career. Certainly the best quarterback in the Big 12 in all the statics and statistics we were talking about. But if you can get some pressure on him, rattle him early, he's capable of making mistakes because he's a human being. Now, they don't make a lot, and when they do make mistakes, they make up for it in other ways. When BYU makes mistakes, it just compounds and it gets worse. Um, it's and off so the rails. and snowball effect. They really got to do better in all the things that they're not doing well in to have a chance on Saturday. But there's been crazy games in the league all year long. Every dog has his day. And is this an upset opportunity? Of course it is because you got two teams on the field playing football. And one team happens to be the home team, and it is at an early hour. We don't, you know, we don't know how that's going to affect the guys, but um, it can affect them worse than their performance in the late hours last Saturday night. So why not start the day 
with some football and see what happens. But there's always that chance for an upset. BYU didn't get much, much of a chance when they beat Oklahoma in Dallas um, when the Sooners were number three. Sure. But BYU had Max Hall and Dennis Pitta and Harvey Unga who were playing at a high level. Um, where are these guys? Yes. Who's going to play at the high level to give them a fighting chance on Saturday? Is it, is it going to be the quarterback? Well, then which quarterback? That's a great question, which is going to lead us into topic two in a second, but not before we get to our question of the day, which is, which word would you use to describe your feelings for Saturday's game against Oklahoma? Lindsey Campbell is the first to chime in on Facebook. She says, excited. She joins Kalani. Excited to go cheer on the Cougs. I have seen two BYU-Oklahoma games in person. So she was at the Copper Bowl in 1994 nice. and in Jerry's World in 2009. She said, BYU's won them both. I'm not optimistic, but enthused. Cheering on the Cougs and saying thanks to the departing seniors. Go Cougs. Dave, I cannot emphasize how important it is for BYU to have at least a decent start. Yeah. Is it any surprise that not only have turnovers factored into the two games that BYU has won in the Big 12, but think about the two games that BYU actually started the game well. Uh, they had a pick six against Cincinnati to start the scoring. Very exciting, even though the rest of the half was kind of a dud until right before halftime. But still... Decent start, and then you got a great start against Texas Tech. BYU won both those games. Yeah. They've had bad starts and all five losses. I wrote an article in the paper uh, to the way to beat the way to beat Mike Tyson in his glory was to get him in the later rounds, and that gave you a chance. Most were destroyed in the first three rounds. Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, a couple other guys got him in the later rounds and beat him. You got to hang around early. Oklahoma's the Mike Tyson in his prime of the Big 12 coming in here. You got to get in the fourth quarter with a chance. And then you have a chance. And then you land an uppercut, all of a sudden it's your day. But don't get knocked out in the first round. Exactly. Come on. Now, and to your previous question, who the heck is going to help BYU at quarterback try and get into those latter rounds? Kalani Sataki was asked about the health of Keaton Slovis and if he would start against Oklahoma if healthy. Here's what he said. Practice last week, um, he's still banged up, not 100% yet last week, and uh, we felt like Jake gave us the best, better, better chance. This week, we'll kind of see what it looks like um, this week and, and let you know. I mean, that's, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in uh, Keaton's body, but I can tell you that if, if he's ready to go and if he's full strength, then, then he's, he's our guy usually. Okay, so then on coordinator's corner, the offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, was asked the same question, and here's his response. Keaton is progressing. Um, he's not fully healthy yet, though, so um, not sure exactly what his status will be as of yet. But uh, he's—I know—I know for sure he's not 100%. Okay, so right now Jake's preparing as it's, it's his job for the foreseeable future. I would—I would expect that, yes. Okay. All Some right. conflicting messages there. A little bit there, for sure. If I'm Keaton, I want to hear that if I'm healthy, it was my job, and then I got hurt, I get my job back. Um, and the person replacing me is not outperforming me. Um, and so if healthy, Keaton should get the start. That, I, I think that. I'm sure Keaton thinks that. And it sounds like Kalani says, at least to the media, Aaron Roderick, not so much. Yeah, interesting uh, messaging there. Uh, I, I know that they're, I know why they're saying what they're saying about Keaton, because they, if, if he's not healthy, they don't want to like establish a precedent where it's like, well, you're 60%, you're going out there. Yep. Like, figure it out. But I, I am inclined to believe that because this is senior day, Dave, this is the last home football game that Keaton Slovis is ever going to play in his college career against Oklahoma. Yeah. I feel like he's going to talk his way into somehow 
playing at least some of this game on Saturday. And frankly, I hope it's he's healthy enough to start. And we're kidding ourselves if we think that Keaton, well, in fact, I can tell you with a surety that s- since the Kansas game, really, he hasn't been 100%. Mm-hmm. Keaton has played partially hurt since the Kansas game and still figured out a way to win a few games against Cincinnati and Texas Tech after that. He was the BYU quarterback that got the Cougars to a 5-2 and two record. Yeah. He did enough. He threw some dimes, threw some nice touchdown passes. Yes, I know that there was no run game, and he doesn't run around like Jake Retzlaff, but he's still the quarterback that got BYU to 5-2. and two. And fans go, hey, where was the deep ball? Where's the attacking over the middle? Those play calls were different for Slovis because Slovis was hurt, and none of us knew that. He has been banged up so, for a while, but can he get healthy enough? Yeah. You know, whether it's shoulder stuff, elbow stuff – he wanted to play last week. I know for a fact he was upset that he was not right. You were on the sideline. Chosen to play quarterback in the last. Game. He understands, but he's not happy about it. Right. No, he, should he be? He feels like, look, I'm hurt. Whatever. I'm ready to go. Like Keaton Slovis would play today. I respect that. He's a great leader. I love that mentality. I feel like he gives even at 80 to 85 percent. If we can, like, however you want to quantify, like how healthy that is. I feel like at that percentage, he would still give BYU the best chance to beat Oklahoma because he can at least stretch the field. Yeah, and he's seen defenses like this before, and he's felt the pressure like this before, and Jake hasn't. You know, Jake may have all the talent in the world and may be one of the greats at BYU down the road, um, but but he hasn't been through two games, which isn't a surprise because he's coming from junior college into the fire, um, and now he's got Oklahoma coming in. And, uh, you know, when he backs up to pass and here come the Sooners, um, the reservoir in his mind of information and experience is so different from the reservoir in Keaton Slovis' mind. Naturally. uh, Because of everything you just said. Um, And I just haven't seen anything from Jake yet that goes, we're running the offense. Uh, He has moments or a couple of drives in the game, but... But there were plays like this where your checkdowns are open, and we'll break down all of this on AFR. And, and uh, hey, this is a young kid trying to grow up really, really fast in a, in a P5 league, and um, this is what you get. It, there aren't supermen. It, they're real live guys that have got to go through the, the grind to get the experience. You just can't skip that step, yeah. although we'd like them to skip that step because BYU needs a win to get bowl eligible, even though they're not playing anywhere near a bowl eligible team yeah listen I'm not above rolling Keaton Slovis out there and if it's not going well after three or four drives and he's clearly impacted and it's like okay we tried it's senior day he said he was healthy enough he doesn't look the part it's okay or he gets hit and it's like it's clearly not his day again and and Keaton has made some bad mistakes too he's been a part of some of these bad starts on the road for sure at TCU at Texas he's he knows that but still, because of the experience and how much more high-level football he has played against top-tier competition, I, I'm inclined to say, go out there. You're 80%. Go out there. We'll see what happens. If it's looking terrible after three or four drives, okay, we gave it a go. Then we're going to put Jake in, and we're going to try and run him around a little bit and just see what happens. But And the key for everyone else is to play better so it's not all on Jake or Keaton to contend with Notably, the offensive line. Block for him. Yes. Maybe open some running lanes, catch the ball. 
those kind of things to help the quarterback, no matter who it is, feel like the, the world isn't on his shoulders because it's going to be a full stadium and, and there's anxiety already. You go three and out a couple of times, it's going to be a weird mood over there. Yeah, especially if Oklahoma is scoring on their first two drives. And again, you're down 14 to nothing. Yeah. And you're halfway through the first quarter. And everybody in the stands is thinking, here we go again. Right. Right. That is what BYU is trying everything in their power to avoid is that early knockout punch. And it should be a long time till August 31st when we're back in that stadium watching another football game. This is it. Got to enjoy Saturday. Got to make Saturday good. Amen to all of that. All right, our two for Tuesday question of the day is this. If you're new to the program, on Tuesdays, we ask two questions of the day. You can answer A lot of both. people eat tacos. We ask two questions. <laughs> Maybe we should implement both of those. <laughs> eat tacos while we ask the second question. If both quarterbacks for BYU are healthy, and you can define healthy however you want, if Keaton Slovis is healthy enough to play, who would you start or who should BYU start at QB against Oklahoma? Hunter Thumb underscore on Instagram answers, the reason why BYU's won five games is because of Keaton Slovis. I need to remind everyone that after BYU beat Texas Tech, all of the commentary on social media was, you know, Keaton Slovis has been taking the brunt of this, but Aaron Rodgers figuring out how to use, use him in the offense, and he's been fantastic. He hasn't turned the ball over a ton. Like, he's done his part, and BYU's 5-2. and two. And so I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden he goes on the road at Texas, and BYU loses big. And they're like, oh, it's time to try Jake Retzloff. Yeah. He was hurt. He was, he was not feeling good. It's, it's so funny how the, the ebb and flow of this happens, and now people are kind of back on the, oh, wait, yeah. You know, actually, that was kind of, it seemed like that was kind of decent. You know? yeah. Maybe we should try Those that again. Those guys have some stuff. It, it's very interesting. Anyway, continues. I like Retzloff's running ability, but he lacks experience, to your point, Dave. BYU needs Slovis to have a chance. I, I would, I'm expecting to probably see both quarterbacks on Saturday. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Let's hope we see him in a good way. I would love that. As opposed to the other way. But it adds some intrigue for sure. And it's Oklahoma in town for the first time ever. Um, it's going to be a big day. Hashtag BYUS on X, Facebook, and Instagram to answer either of our two for Tuesday questions of the day. Basketball back at the Marriott Center tonight. BYU women hosting Utah Valley. Coverage starts at 9 Eastern with Spencer and Kristen Kozlowski on the call on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Cougars are 2-0 in the young season. And you know what they like to do? Shoot the three. Yeah. Can they lead by 25 again in the first quarter? They've done that in both of the first two I challenge, I challenge you to pull that off. <laughs> Up next, former BYU and NFL defensive star Harvey Longy joins us in Studio B. What does he think is the most fixable element for the BYU defense heading into the Oklahoma game? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Really big hit by Tyler Batty. How in the world did he catch that? Pitch play. Robbins. Touchdown. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. Spencer Linton and Dave McCann here. We've moved the conversation over to the Cougar Council Room. We welcome in former BYU defensive great and an NFL veteran, Harvey Longy, is with us. Harv, good to have you back on the show. This is the Cougar Council Room? It is. 
That's nice. great. It's you like right group therapy. You're, you're yeah, right it sounds that? fantastic. <laughs> I'm just glad to be in me. it. Let's counsel then. Let's, let, let us counsel, <laughs> yeah, let us good counsel. brother. Yeah, let's start <laughs> about with BYU football. Join us as we counsel. <laughs> let's start with the counseling. What went wrong for the defense against Iowa State? Can you pin it down to one or two things? I'm not disappointed in in the heart of of the team and how hard they try. I'm more disappointed in fundamentals and starting fast. Yeah. You know, fundamentals, the ball is the most important thing in the game, 100%. Defense, offense, special teams, that is the most important thing. And the fundamentals of running with the ball, ball security, job security, and ball takeaways are, are paydays. So takeaways, paydays, job security, I mean, ball security, job security. Fundamental, tackling, fundamental, blocking, fundamental. Um, you know, these fundamental things is what I'm most disappointed in. And I think that needs to be something that they need to just take more time into. Yeah. Fundamentals. If you start a game off like that, it just kills everything. And takeaways as a defense, we all understand what wins games is if we can take that ball, one, two, you know, we all understand the, the percentages. I, f- I forget, I don't have them at the top of my, my head right now, but even one takeaway. You know, and, and then taking the ball on, on special teams, that is, you know, everyone's licking their chops now because they're like, hey, the will is almost taken. We've taken the will. I mean, we're halfway now. Get one on special teams. We're like three-fourths. All we have to do now is maybe get one more, maybe get a couple of three, three and outs, and their will is taken. You know, mm-hmm. as, a def- as a defender, we're talking about taking the other person's will. Takeaways just do that so quick. And we saw Iowa State do that to BYU's will in the first two plays. In a game, hurry. Right? Yeah, in a <laughs> one hurry. One possession. One play, two turnovers. That's how we started the game. One play on offense, two turnovers. They're up 10-zip. To BYU's credit, they put together a drive. They make it 10-7. And and people forget, BYU's defense got to stop after that. They got the ball back down 10-7. And everything, yeah. But then it just never seemed to get going again. And then the explosive plays began for Iowa State, Harvey. And I think that's what you're saying about the fundamentals. Like When the fundamentals go away and guys are trying to make a hero play and you're pressing, that's when those explosive plays tend to happen. Yep. And I hope that they take these next couple of weeks and focus practice on just going back to the basics. Yeah, we have injuries. Yeah, we have a you know, situation at quarterback. There's a lot of situation, but that's ball. And why do we have over 100 guys on the rosters? Because if and when somebody goes down, the next guy's ready to go. And if all of them are up to date, I mean, up you know, to par with fundamentals, then no one is going to be nervous, scared, because they know that they crafted in, sure. in their job and knowing that, hey, if it is press, if it is tackling, if it is blocking, I'm going to do that 111. Playing complementary football, we haven't done that in a long, long time. You know, when does the, the kickoff return, you know, comp- um, the offense complements the defense and then the special teams complements the offense. It's been a long time since we've seen that yeah. here. At really since the first half yeah. of the Texas Tech game. Right. And we need that. We need honest. that back. So you got three days to get ready for Oklahoma, right? Practice today, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday is usually a light day. And then the Sooners are here Saturday morning. What can you get done in three days to make a difference? <sighs> we've talked about fundamentals. Yeah. But as a, de- as a defensive guy, of course, everyone's focus on the offense, you know, the offense, but the defense has had a lot of injuries from um, the back end with the DBs all the way to the trenches, or let's start at the trenches because we always start at the sure, trenches, all sure. the way to the DBs. Three notable defensive linemen were out last game. Gone. And 
if if it was me and I had three days, guess what? I'm going to try my best to get our defense to make Oklahoma one-dimensional. And even if you have to take the bullet on deep balls or a couple of passes, guess what? You're not going to give the ball to Gavin Shawick. Shawick. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to give the ball to him for 100-plus yards. We're going to at least stop one. And I would, mo- I would focus on, hey, let's take some pride in stopping the run, all right? Let's have a lot of fun at senior night. Let's stop this run. If we stop this run, it's going to be a, um, a success for us. That's that would be my mindset. Okay, make, it, make them one to circle the run. So yeah. take away one thing. One thing in this instance, maybe the Oklahoma run game. One hundred percent, as much as you can. Even you know, of course, the quarterback's a he's a playmaker. Uh, playmaker. He has wide receivers that are playmakers. It would be obvious to say stop the pass, but we all understand if you stop the run, a lot of things go wrong on the offensive side. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you've essentially addressed what you believe is the most fixable element, at least on the defensive Simple. side, okay? Yeah. Simple things. Try and take away one thing. We have to line up and 5D linemen and two linebackers right Seven there. Seven in the box consistently. Let our DBs eat and just play their man-to-man. If we have to do that, that would be my mentality. It's like, hey, we do not have a, a – a, we're not playing – the way that we play BYU football, and we're not giving anything towards. If you look at the past couple games, the offense has been playing the same. The numbers are the same all the way until now. Wins and losses all season long, Harvey. And, you know, okay, the wins and losses have been a little bit different these past couple weeks, but statistically with, you know, Jake in there, passing yards, all it's pretty much the Essentially same. Essentially a wash. But with all the defensive injuries, the guys up next, you need to understand that, hey, we take pride here. And guess what we're going to take pride in? We're not going to tell you to cover the third and look down at the flat and play ball. Or, you know, we're not going to tell you to do that. Guess what we're going to tell you? If that dude has the ball and he's running the ball, we're stopping that. How about that? And then when we stop that, then we can go from there. Because there's a lot of young guys in right now. I was looking at the games that, uh, that you played in uh, when you were here. Michigan in Ann Arbor, uh, maybe the biggest name. Um, Oklahoma's never been here to Provo, but Miami has, Penn State has, Notre Dame has, um, uh, and, and BYU beat them here uh, as underdogs. Here comes another underdog. When you take the field and you look over and you see an Oklahoma helmet or a Michigan helmet, um, what does that do to a player? Does it motivate you, or is it intimidating, or is it, oh, man, Oklahoma's been so good my whole life, and now they're here on the field, and i got to guard this guy? What, what's it like for the player? I can sum in one word, I'm thinking opportunity. And when I look over and I see, wow, it's Oklahoma, it's these, you know, the, the past of, of greats have come through this school. Guess what? There's a lot of greats that have come through our school. Yeah. What an opportunity for me to just go out there and show that I can compete with y'all. Um, what an opportunity for me to show that, hey, just like you, you had, you know, 30, 40 hours to prepare. Guess what? I put 60 hours to prepare. So let's line up and see. And that was the greatest, those are the greatest moments in football when you know, hey, all of us know what to do. We're running cover two, all right? It's cover two, you know what to do, you know what to do. Boom, they get six yards, all right, let's see if they can go 80. You know, and that opportunity type feel when I, when I look at another logo, it's more of just like, what an opportunity for me to show, hey, someone's gonna remember, the, you know, Harvey Longy at least, or BYU. Um, the way that I prepared to come out and play against them. All right, BYU, 24-and-a-half-point underdog, as Dave was alluding to. It's senior day. You're home. 
Bowl eligibility is on the line in the final two weeks, and ESPN's Football Power Index currently gives BYU a 22% chance to win one of the final two games against the Oklahoma schools. So, Harvey, where do you stand on BYU's chance to get bowl eligible and, and feeling like you're up against it, like it's, it's now or never? How do you feel about their chances? I feel great. And why is because we have, we have these last two games to go out there and to have an opportunity to, to be bowl eligible. But to see how they respond to adversity these past couple weeks, um, we've responded pretty well after the, the last um, loss against um, TCU. We responded pretty well. Against Texas Tech, yes. yeah. And to see how they respond now, this is going to be a great opportunity for them and for us to know what kind of team we're going to have here. You know, you can speak about, you know, the coaching staff, the players and all that. Guess what? Let's see how, how we go out there this Saturday, senior day, you know, the at home early guys have to come to our, to the mountains. You know, sometimes it's people say, Hey, don't look at, you know, you can't underestimate them because you play down to them or you play up to them. Let's, you know, we don't have to play up to anybody right now. We need to go in there and let's see what kind of team we have going into next year. So for me, I'm 100% optimistic. Um, we have two chances. I'm going to take those two chances of one of them being a dub and going to the bowl game. All right. All right. I feel better than you. Feel, you feel great. You feel motivated now? Yeah, Harvey yeah. feels great. Harvey's adequately motivated better. us. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Nice job, you know? Harvey. Hey, great to have you with us, man. We appreciate yeah. you calling it out simply and putting in real talk. Yeah, super, super grateful to be here. BYU, we're here. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Let's go. The great Harvey Longy, ready for the game on Saturday morning. Hey, we invite you to join us tonight for After Further Review. We'll break down what happened against Iowa State, what worked, what didn't. We'll show you why. Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, myself. We'll also look ahead to Saturday's game against the Sooners. We hope to see you 7 Eastern time tonight on the BYU TV app. Hey, speaking of bowl games, would you take any bowl game right now for BYU? Even against Utah State, this is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, can I still call it Twitter? Yes. X! Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're all over social media. Why couldn't it be Y? Then it would fit perfectly with our show. Yes. That would be beautiful. <laughs> but I, I just have the hardest time calling it X. So. I know. I still say Twitter and people look at me like, you are so old school. Oh, Twitter? It's, it's Twitter forever. It really is. <laughs> Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Blaine. Time to rise and shout. Let's get to a loaded edition of What's Trending. Slovis fires, back of the end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, BYU! The Cougs open on top! BYU with a significant challenge staring them down on Saturday morning. And early in the week, we wondered, okay, Keaton Slovis has been out for a couple of weeks. Jake Retzloff has had his two starts. Who's going to be the guy? And both Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake were asked about that. And Kalani said, well, 
when Keaton is healthy, he's the guy, but he's not healthy. And Aaron Rodgers said on Coordinator's Corner that Jake Retzloff is, for all intents and purposes, preparing to make the start. But just because I've had so many people ask me, well, would BYU have a better chance even if Keaton Slovis is like 75% or 80% Spencer? Like, what, what would the BYU offense look like if that is the case? So, Blaine, you're a quarterback. Let's discuss what, what would BYU roll out if they put out Keaton Slovis as the starting quarterback on Saturday. Yeah, it, and it's hard because I have to go all the way back to fall camp to really understand, or to the first couple of games, yeah. because what we didn't know until a couple of weeks ago is that Keaton Slovis has been hurt since the Arkansas game, right? And so, and I noticed, I was like, man, is Keaton just digressing a little bit? Because in fall camp, in the first couple of games, like his ability to throw the deep ball and to stretch the defense was outstanding. Like he could drop that ball in. He was throwing back shoulder throws deep to the sideline on good timing. And then after the Arkansas game, when he was still playing, there were times when I was going, man, he was making those throws. There's just not as much zip on that deep out ball or on that back shoulder throw. Or, man, he had the guy wide open, but he hesitated a minute. And he just didn't have the arm strength, it seemed like, to get it out there. It was just slightly underthrown. Well, now we know he was playing with a shoulder problem during that that was limiting his arm strength. He was good enough to play. Maybe he was 75 or 80%, right? Yeah. Then he compounded that two games ago with an elbow. He tweaked that elbow and that tendon in his elbow. So now he's got the, he had the two problems, which he's thrown the ball this week. He's starting to look like his old self. Yeah. Um, and so, in, in, in short... If he's 100% healthy, he has the ability to drop deep balls in, throw back shoulder throws, and really stretch a defense and get you big plays. That's what he brings, and experience and leadership. If he's not 100% and you take that away, then it's almost like, well, you're better off with Retzloff because at least he can run around and do some things with his feet, even with his inexperience, and maybe not making the reads quite as quick, and doesn't quite have the touch on the deep balls yet that Keaton Slovis does. You're probably better off with a guy that can run around when Keaton's not 100%. I like Keaton Slovis at 100%, but remember, everyone, we haven't had him 100%. Yeah. Even when he played, played two games, not 100%. But and that's tough to overcome. I mean, and yeah. and you're hanging on because you want the red shirt to remain in place for a guy like Jake Retzloff, and so you're you're rolling with an injured quarterback in Slovis and. I'm with most BYU fans. It's senior day, Blaine. This is his final home game. You want to see a guy be able to go out and play in a big-time contest like this against Oklahoma on national TV. He's earned the right to do that, but BYU's trying to win games, and if he's not right, then it's probably not the answer. Like, I, I have this pipe dream that, Slovis will at least get on the field for one series or, or be able to take a knee in victory formation. How awesome would that be? I know. I know. The, the percentages are just minute. But I'd love to see him out there at some point on senior day. He's just not healthy. Feels like he deserves that, right? And you and I have gotten a chance to get to know all of these guys pretty well. And Keaton Slovis. He's a special, he special is person. A, he is an yeah. amazing human being. And when healthy... He's really effective in there. It's just a shame that this transfer comes. He gets in an offense that can showcase his skills as an NFL candidate, and and then these injuries have, have slowed him down. Certainly. So, okay, I, so- I, I just let's hope he has some type of a miraculous where all of a sudden he's throwing the ball full strength today and tomorrow, and they go, you know what? 
Maybe we could put he him looks on good. the field Let's go. And, and switch Let's it up go. a little bit. But for the time being, Aaron Roderick was asked the question straight up last night after practice about who's going to start, and this was his response to that. Not sure yet. Uh, Keaton is not 100%. He's practiced more this week than he did last week, but he's not 100% yet, so we're still working through that. Are you willing to start him at, if he's not 100%? No, he won't, he won't play unless we, unless we feel like he's 100%. We're not going to play him. We've got to have him. It's not, it's not for, his, for his sake, you know, like not going to put him out there unless he can fully do the job. Okay, the question has now been answered then. Yeah. We know Keaton's not 100%. Aaron Rodgers just told us he's not 100% and said he's not going to play. We're going to protect him. We don't want him to get worse. So he's not going to play unless he's there. Now it's Jake Retzloff. So, Blaine, two games in, two starts in, here comes Jake Retzloff again to make his third start. Mm -hmm. What will the BYU offense look like with Jake in start number three? This is – there's been a little uh, opportunity for Aaron Roderick to have a chance. Everybody talks about, well, Retzliff should be better now. He, he's three games into this thing. He, you know, he has experience out there. He should be better. His, his game will progress, which is absolutely true. But guess who else's game will progress? Aaron Roderick now has had him out there for two games to go, oh, you know what? Let's look back at the film. I called that play – that's not a great play for him. Like, that, that doesn't fit his skill set. I need to call more of this and less of that. And to me, more of the quick throw stuff. That's the offense he came from. More of the quick throw stuff, get the ball out, and more put him on the move. Okay. And he like, I feel like he gets into the game when he runs the ball a few times and gets hit, right? He loves to be involved in the run game. So some of this right here where he's running that zone read or, or go true RPO. We saw him do one of those in the games where he – it looks like the zone read. He comes out and he flicks the ball out to the sideline. It's a true run-pass option. That's where he's at his best right now, and that's where he's most comfortable. He also sees the field with these bigger bodies that he's facing, um, big D linemen, big backers, defensive backs that are 6'2 and 6'3 that can run. He sees the field better when he gets outside a little bit too. So I think Aaron Roderick, who will now have two games – uh, in the body of work to understand what he does best, we can call a, a game that's more tailored to fit his style yes. of football, and, and he can have more success. It's obviously going to take something very, very special and unique that BYU football has not really put together all year in a game to beat the likes of Oklahoma. And I'm going to cycle back. I'm going to give you two numbers here. I'm going to cycle back to one that was presented to us from a fan yesterday mm -hmm. that pointed out that Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables is 3-8 and eight when his defenses surrender 400 yards of total offense or more. It is worth noting, BYU has not hit the 400-yard total offense plateau one time this season. Not once. Didn't do it against Sam Houston. Didn't do it against Southern Utah. Had good offensive numbers against Kansas, but still did not hit that 400 pinnacle. So... Can we be real and say, all right, if you want to beat Oklahoma, you, Get prob 400. you probably got to figure out how to put up 400 yards of total offense. BYU is averaging 100 yards less than that. Look at Oklahoma, over 500 a game. So, yeah, you need 400, Blaine. And then the other number is in BYU's five wins compared to their five losses. BYU is 5-0 when they win the turnover margin. They are 0-5 when they lose the turnover and, margin. And that's the key. You know what? That can override the need to get 400. If, if BYU's plus three, 
They might be able to get 275 sure. yards and win. That's the other reason Brent Venables, when teams get 400, that tells you that Oklahoma's probably turned it over a little bit and given them extra possessions. And then Oklahoma's offense is so explosive, less less opportunities. So, so yeah, 400 may be important. Turnover margin, the most important, in my opinion. Let's go. There you go. Hey, how about tonight? I cannot wait for tonight. I'm, Tournament I'm, time. I'm going. NCAA women's soccer is at Southfield tonight. Number one seed. They host 8-seed USC in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Coverage for tonight's game begins at 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. I will be there in the house tonight. We're going to break down this matchup in headlines and in the whip after the break. Are the Cougars a guaranteed winner tonight on their home field? Can BYU handle the Pac-12 again? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. One, two, three, get up. Livingston straight down. Overpass, joust one by five foot nine. Whitney Bauer. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. It is game night for BYU women's volleyball as they look to hold off Kansas, competing for that second place spot in the Big 12. And joining us now, Whitney Bauer and Whitney McEwen-Larinus, two of the senior stars. And as you look at this weekend of volleyball, what are your emotions like playing in the Smithfield house and, you know, in having your careers you know come to an end like this what's what's this like for you Whitney Bauer we'll start with you yeah it's it's bittersweet I think that we're all so excited to play such a good competitive team especially on senior night and so we know the crowd's going to be there we know the emotions are going to be high um, we're excited to compete and we're excited to fight and we're just lucky that it falls on senior night because it'll just make it that much sweeter so yeah and the notion that you want more home games right yeah, in this tournament right. so it doesn't have to be the last one but it's it's the last regular season for you out there, and, uh, and you've had a lot of kills on that court. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with Wit, and I just feel a lot of mixed emotions. Like, I'm so excited for this game, but also I do feel sad that this is one of the last moments I'll get to play in the Smithfield house with our crowd, with our team, with our coaches. And so it is, it is bittersweet. It's definitely mixed emotions. Yeah, this is going to be an impossible question probably, especially on the spot. But I feel like I have to ask it on the spot so I just get like true response. <laughs> you have like a favorite memory from the Smithfield house in both of your careers. Okay, Whitney, so Whitney Larinus, you're, you're shaking your head. Yes, I do. What is it? <laughs> Yes, so the first memory that always pops into my mind is my freshman year when I first got to experience the energy of the Smithfield House, and it was when we were playing Stanford at home, so this was in 2018. Oh, I remember well. I called the match. It was magical. <laughs> yes, yes. It was, the energy was just unreal, like something I had never felt or experienced before oh, just so being special. on a team, and so that will always be ingrained in my mind with just how special it was looking up at the crowd all the way to the back stuffed, you know, all the way to the walls. And it was just so, so exciting, so fun. All right, Miss Bauer, what do you think? Honestly, I'd probably go with any game against Utah. I mean, the, ro <laughs> the robbery and the, just the feelings in the field house are so intense and the, 
just the the loudness in the crowd that the crowd always brings is just unreal every single time we play Utah and you know there's always some red in the fans but our fans are just so overpowering and the energy is just unreal. There'll be a little bit of red tonight with Kansas. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of match do you expect? They're ranked 17th, tied for second place, mm -hmm. trying to get a good spot in the NCAA tournament. What, what's going to happen tonight? Yeah, no, they're, they're a really good team, and we're expecting them to come in. We're expecting them to go, you know, just ham. They're, they're super scrappy. They're super competitive, and they've got a lot of firearms on, on all positions of the court. And so I think we're just, we're just going to play to our strengths, and we're not going to look too far into it. Yeah, definitely. And adding to that, I just think having that focus on ourselves, what our strengths are, what we've been working for this whole season. And, and I just feel like this is the perfect matchup like for a senior night, just yeah. the perfect to be tied second place and see who comes out on top. As Dave was saying, and you agreed to, you hope this isn't the last time you both play in the Smithfield House. You're certainly competing for the right to host. Mm -hmm. It's up to RPI and the selection committee, yeah. and you got a tough road trip. out. I know, one match at a time, but do you, do you feel like we, we need to win out? We control our own decision. If we win out, we will host. Do you feel like you'll do that? Um, I mean, obviously, theoretically, that might be the, the, the goal. If we went out, we could host. But <coughs> even then, it's out of our control, and we still might not host. And so you just never know in the RPI. Like, there's just so many factors that go into it. So we're just going to focus on one game at, game at a time, just win every single game, and then yeah. that'll just it'll take care of itself. You're such a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I give generic I answers. Should, I, no, no, I shouldn't Sorry. be surprised. No, you're such a veteran. Before. Heather Olmstead <laughs> is smiling ear to ear like Whitney. Yes, my protege. You answered correctly. <laughs> hey, we I wish so. you the best tonight. It's sold out, as it should be, for your senior yeah. swan song. Yeah. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Take Thank all you. the karma. Go dominate the Jayhawks. Take it on the road with Thanks. you. Thanks. We'll, we will. We'll we will. Thanks Thank for coming you. in. Thank Remind you. Remind your coverage tonight, BYU Kansas on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus, 9 o'clock Eastern time for all the world to see with Jerem, Amy, and Kenzie on the call. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. And uh, as I mentioned before the break, we're now going to take a unique shift here yeah. to remember a legendary man and a beloved member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, the president of that quorum, M. Russell Ballard. Dave, and I know you, you have been around him, you've worked with him in your days at KSL, and you wrote a fantastic piece on him as well. That'll be out this afternoon. Uh, he loved the pioneers, and uh, he always talked about them. His fear was uh, that if we stopped talking about him, people would forget about him. And so you go back to his conference addresses, and they're all about the pioneers, and he's the great-grandson of a Utah pioneer. So it's, it's appropriate we're talking about him on BYU TV ahead of his funeral because he, uh, this is his pioneer story. Um, back before we had this building, before BYU TV was in 65 million U.S. homes, before it was available all over the world, he had this vision of what it could become. And every time that I had a chance to interview him, it was at a pioneer location. And then our best interviews, or the best part of the interview was when the interview was over and we could just sit there and talk back and forth about whatever we wanted. He loved BYU, but he also was fascinated with the reach of television 
and, uh, and, and his vision for BYU TV, and I got it when I was at the Sochi Olympics in 2014, watching BYU TV on my phone, I realized that Wild. It, uh, in, in his view, BYU TV is a mechanism to take the gospel to the four corners of the earth. And it is in the four corners of the earth because of BYU TV, because of him. And we need to talk about it, and we'll continue to talk about it, because like the pioneer stories uh, that he feared, if we don't talk about it, we forget. Yes. And at BYU TV, this man and his pioneering of who we are today um, will always be remembered and cherished. President Ballard, one of the reasons, if not the reason, BYU TV exists today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Just to recap, Jerem's not here, but we do need to point out that I won Big 12 Roundup, Jason. Is that why Jerem's not here? I won the week two to nothing, so I lead the season now six weeks to three. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about and, the Friday? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great Friday. Men's and women's hoops, women's soccer, women's volleyball, all with wins. Men's and women's cross country advance to the Nationals. Great Friday. We're focusing our blue goggles on Friday. Yeah, right? Look into the positive. <laughs> our thanks to today's guests, Trevor Maddish and Dallin Hall. Conversation is 24-7. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Kalen Hall. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.